I sure know a lot about TV and movies and music too. So join them for the special show. They want to talk about those things too. It's the Fangirly Show. Hi, and welcome to the Fangirly Show, where smart girls go stupid for pop culture. I'm Ellen. And I'm Whitney. And today we're going to be talking about uh, the influx of TV revivals and all those shows that are coming back in some form or another um, and how we think it's working or not working. But first, Whitney, my friend, what are you squeeing about this week? Ellen, my love. Uh, Okay, so first off, I took your advice and I went and saw Brooklyn. Oh, and I probably cried in the space of like 30 minutes more times than I've cried in like the last 23 years. <laughs> so <laughs> that movie was so weepy for me. Anyway, point is, I loved it. Yeah. It was so good. I'm so glad that Saoirse Ronan got nominated for an Oscar now because before I didn't get it, I was like, mm, okay, all right. Yeah. But like richly deserved. She was great. And then I also saw Mustang. Have you seen it yet? I have not, and I don't know when I'm going to get a chance to, but I do. It sounds good. Yeah. Uh, it's really good. I don't want to ruin it for you, mm-hmm. but it is really good. It's about, like, these five Turkish sisters, and they're growing up in this little village, and it's about them kind of reconciling, like, being modern women with their culture, and it's, I don't know, it's really great. So that's the one thing that I've been squeeing about is all the good movies I've seen. And then... The other thing that I wanted to talk about, and I'm going to try and not get too, like, belligerent (laughs) about this, but for the past, I don't know, probably four or five years, all I've heard is people whining about how much they want female superheroes in the Marvel Universe, like, standalone female superheroes, and that's great. I've been with them thus far. But then we finally get a standalone female superhero, eh, well, hero, in the form of Peggy Carter in Marvel's Agent Carter, Mm -hmm. and nobody is watching it. Ellen's just nodding her ascent. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. (laughs) If you are as frustrated and pissed off about this as I am, then, like, give me an amen, because I'm getting so mad. No, it it makes no sense, because... First of all, she's, like, the most freaking likable character. Like, everybody loves Peggy Carter. Everybody. Yeah. And yet, like, nobody's watching this show that's fun and actually has, like, a pretty good budget and, you know... Um, I know. And is got good mystery but, like, infused with some superhero stuff. And it's... It is, it's frustrating because I love that show and I don't, I, I would love to see it get a third season, but it was a miracle that it got a second season and with the ratings it's, it's not been getting, happen. it's probably not going to happen. But it also kind of seems like they have, they kind of want, you know, I think that they're kind of jumpstarting her romantic storyline a little bit because they want to show you who Peggy Carter ends up marrying, which yeah I understand like some people don't like that there's like a lot of romance this season, but I think that that's why they're doing it is because they kind of know that this is probably the last time that we're going to see Peggy Carter in the MCU. So they're trying to show the, yeah. the happy ending to her story kind of thing. Well, in my, like the chief part of my frustration about this is that if people think that Marvel are not like the, like the big wigs at Marvel aren't looking at this 
and evaluating how Agent Carter is doing to see how a standalone female would do in a movie, then they are deluding themselves because that's exactly what's happening. And these people aren't being like they say that they want a standalone female superhero and that's what they're getting and they're just they're not putting like the effort into any oh my gosh anyway i i'm getting really worked up but like superhero is or supergirl is performing a lot better than it was Mm -hmm. it's doing fine i think but i just i can't understand why people are not responding to this show the way they should be like it's so low maintenance it's a couple episodes a year it's really good it's well written Haley atwell is bananas good it's just like it's a very it's not like high concept or anything and it's and it's kind of campy but it's i mean it's good tv and anybody will tell you that it's good tv and sorry i'm ranting now like i'm officially ranting <laughs> i'm just i'm really frustrated i love it i'm usually the one ranting so i like it no, I, I totally, I completely agree because it's just beyond frustrating. And, like, especially when it is, like, such a good show. And it's kind of weird, but um, I almost wonder if because Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. gets kind of a bad rap, if that, like, stigma is transferring over to, maybe like, Agent Carter a little bit. Um, but... You know, as we've said on the show before, Agents of the Shield is pretty good. And so people just need to get over that. But then also I think you have, like, the Netflix shows. And I think that, you know, like, people just need to recognize that, like, okay, Marvel may have taken a little bit of, you know, getting used to the TV machine. But I think that they have a pretty good handle on it now. And so, like, stop judging Marvel TV. I think, I think. Yeah, it's too, it's really too bad because that show is so good. And I love also have, I love the idea of, um, like these mini series, you know, these Mm -hmm. limited run series, um, that kind of come in between hiatus and I want them to do well because I like that format, you know? Well, and they're easier to digest and, you know, like they're kind of, they come in short bursts. Anyway, the point of this whole rant is that I am frustrated with everybody, everyone I see, because like we're saying that this is something that we want and Marvel is giving this to us and we're being babies about it. So that's my piece. I've said it. Like I can move on now. <laughs> yeah. Um, I'm glad you brought that up. I, I have Agent Carter as things I was squeeing about this week too, but. Because it's been so good. It has been really good. And <laughs> like, yeah. And I kind of like. Are you picking up on the subtle tie-ins to Agents of Shield that they have? A little bit. Okay, yeah. cool. Um, I, I'll stop talking about Agents of Shield. Uh, <laughs> but the Ellen works it into every episode. <laughs> the other things that have been uh, been been causing me to squee this week. Um, I down. I took your recommendation and downloaded Leon Bridges' album, yes. and I love it. Do? What can I do? do Yeah, I love it. Um, It's so good. Like, I turn on whenever I need... Like, I had kind of a rough week last week. And whenever I needed to calm down, I was just like, put on River by Leon Bridges. And I'm just going to, like, zen out and just go to my happy place. Um, So that was bringing me some calm, but also making me happy um, last week. And then the other thing that also is 
per your recommendation. You're so proud of me this week. Um, I started watching Dollhouse. So I'm almost done with the first season of Dollhouse. Um, mainly because... Okay, a little backstory. I've been trying to get Ellen to watch this show for nigh on, like, five years. Okay, <laughs> so this is a big moment for me. Well, I'll tell you what helped was cute Daniel Sousa uh, from mm. Agent Carter. he's so good in both of Dollhouse. those things. And he's, like, my favorite character on Dollhouse, BT-dubs. Um, but, yeah, I've been, I've been liking it. It's... I love how, like, the regular cast of characters, like, regular Joss Whedon crew is all there. Um, yeah. I think I've kind of decided that, uh, oh, what's her name? Alicia Dushku? She kind of bugs me, but... Why did she bug you? She's so badass in that know. show. There's something about the way she, like, talks or something that bugs me, which sounds stupid. Wow. But... <laughs> But I like everything else. I like the story. I think it's cool. I like the whole concept is interesting and it's it's good. I'm enjoying it. Good. I'm glad cuz that's probably my favorite Joss Whedon show. So Oh, really? Okay, cool. <laughs> but I want to get spoilery with you, but maybe we'll have to do that after we're done recording um about that show. Anyway, yeah. Anything else that you've been squeeing about this week? No, I think I've ranted enough for, <laughs> for one Sweet episode. <laughs> okay, so we thought with today, for our episode for today, we would talk about um, kind of this trend that's been going on for a little while now, but seems to kind of be taking, growing bigger and larger, especially with the help of Netflix. Um, but this revitalization of a lot of old or canceled, well, canceled shows, um, they kind of tend to seem to be old cult favorites um, that people just want more of. So people like Netflix, and then you look at X-Files with Fox. Um, so this just seems to be something that's happening now. So, Whitney... What do you think of this trend in general, I guess? Okay, overall, I think I can count maybe on one hand the number of times where I've thought like, oh, this is working, this is good. So for me, mm -hmm. it's not my favorite phenomenon, but like if it results in, you know, like happy endings coming back on the air, then, then who am I to judge, you know? <laughs> I would die. <laughs> I want that one to happen I so know. bad. Um, yeah, I, I when I was thinking about it and um, sitting down to like actually think about shows that I think have done it well, I was kind of left still scratching my head. Um, there's a lot of them that I'm like, yes, they're bringing that back. Like I think about the Veronica Mars movie or um, Jury's Still Out on the X-Files. And so like for me, even if, the X-Files like performs okay and it's it, like it does fine it's kind of setting itself up to fail just because the X-Files when it first aired it was like the most original thing on TV and that's not mm -hmm. something that the X-Files can really be anymore because there have been all of these shows that have come since then in the last 14 yeah. years that have done what the X-Files did but did it frankly like a little bit better like I'm thinking about Fringe and a lot of those other like sci-fi shows that well and it's funny because when i went on um when i was reading 
uh, like comments on the Hulu for the first um, episode, there was somebody that was like, that first sequence was like straight out of Fringe. And I'm like, well, technically, yeah, (laughs) you might have to go the way around. (laughs) Like, if we want to get technical about it. Um, well, and the thing that with X-Files in particular, it's kind of interesting because the first episode felt a lot like a pilot. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's not. And it's... I, I guess technically it is. Um, and the direction that they're going, um, in kind of saying that all these alien conspiracies are just actually done by man, um, I kind of hope that they don't. I kind of hope that they backtrack on Me that too. and find out that it's still aliens because it's like X Files was about aliens. Well, and wouldn't it nullify like the last nine seasons of a show? Yeah. What is yeah, the point exactly. of that? So I'm kind of hoping that they backtrack on that a little bit. I'm sure um, they will. Yeah, I'm sure that they will too. But um, I think I think that they will be better served, and it looks like the next in this the second episode and then it looks like the next episode which i'm hearing is kind of supposed to be the best episode of this limited run series is the third episode how many episodes Um, are they have they ordered is it like a it's just six i think no i think it's just six oh wow okay yeah um i think that i i like x files i think my favorite episodes of x files are the ones um that are just the case of the week type episodes yeah and i actually I actually went back um, before before Sunday, before the premiere on Sunday, I went back and I watched um, a list I found online of the top 10 X-Files episodes, and I watched the top 10 episodes according mm-hmm. to this list, um, and it was really fun, but the episode, yeah, it's the case of the week. I don't like when they get too deeply rooted in the myth- mythos and stuff like that. Um, yeah, with like Mulder's sister and yeah. Yeah. Um, so I like the episodes that are kind of standalone stories that are just kind of creepy standalone stories that happen to have Mulder and Scully in them. Yeah, and frankly, that was kind of how I felt about Fringe, too. Like, my favorite Fringe episodes were the ones that, like, you could just watch on their own. Yeah, it's true. So, with this, and like, I guess we can say other TV shows that are coming back, um, Gilmore Girls is getting their... I think it's supposed to be like a mini series or something. Yeah, like, it's a limited run. It's in not it's going to be on Netflix too, but Yeah, I think it's like four episodes or something mm-hmm. I heard. Um and then Fuller House is coming oh, back. Um, <laughs> uh Whitney's obviously excited about Sorry, that. Sorry, I just um, like ugh. You've got like Girl Meets World. You've got Veronica Mars that came back as a movie. You've got Mystery Science Theater that is coming back as a web show, which I at least have a very strong affinity uh, for Mystery Science Theater. But, okay, so do you do you see this kind of more... Because I think right now, as a society in general, we have this really strong yin towards um, just nostalgia in general. Um, you think about like all the BuzzFeed articles and stuff like that. That's like, look at this, these pictures from things from your childhood. Remember the nineties? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So do you kind of see this revitalization of TV as, you know, a byproduct of that or kind of in the same way that all of our movies are now prequels or reboots? 
do you kind of see it more as like a marketing stance on that? I don't, I don't necessarily consider the two things mutually exclusive. Like, yeah, I do think that like we as millennials are very nostalgic. And so yeah, it, like really it's a smart business move to bring back these shows that they know already have an existing fan base. And so they're not as much of a risk, I guess. I don't, do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. I can, I can see yeah, both the, sides of that equation. And the other thing that I forgot that I had written down, um, was that it also kind of seems like it might be a byproduct of, um, just fandoms being able to be louder and more prevalent online. And yeah. then these networks are able to look and see, okay, this is something people everybody want. seems to like this show. Um, or there seems to be a rabid following for this show. So they kind of seem to do that. The other one that I forgot was Arrested Development, which, um, and maybe we can talk about that in a little yeah, bit later I think we when should. we kind of go through <laughs> specific shows. Um, but I do think it's kind of interesting that it is coming, that this is kind of happening, you know, with the rise of more of our internet and content being able to be streamed online and you know Netflix does seem to kind of be at least more interested than networks in this idea than than the networks um so it is interesting that it is kind of like seems to be a byproduct of the internet in a way so do you think it's a good thing for TV or do you think that it's kind of like we said, just fan service that people are hoping to make money off of. I don't, uh, I don't think it's ever not fan service to a degree, yeah. to a degree. And I, and I'm not saying that just because something is fan service doesn't mean that it can't also be good TV because, yeah. okay. One of the ones I've listed as like a good example of this, like playing well and like being successful is Doctor Who, mm -hmm. which is a show that like people kind of forgot about and then they revitalized it and brought in new actors and kind of started a whole new series really. And then, you know, it kind of reinvigorated people's interest in like this really old, janky British TV show. And it's done really well. Yeah, that's a good, that's a good one. I didn't even think about that as being kind of in the same vein as these things. Yeah. And then I think you kind of have, um, you know, the, there's kind of the two sides to this coin where it seems like there's the shows that are being brought back like years later where it's like, let's get these people together again and let's, you know, see how it goes. And then you have, and then you have just Netflix and Hulu, um, kind of saving shows that like were just canceled so let's kind of let's us start making it and putting it out there um you know you've got mini project on hulu uh mm. and you've got community on yahoo screen and i know that netflix i think did longmire which i don't watch that show but i know that they did that with that show um so I think it's kind of interesting. I I I don't know how sold I am yet on the idea of bringing back a show that's been dead for a while as much as like there are some shows where I'm like, "Oh, but maybe that show." Like I have I've yet to kind of see that done satisfactorily mm -hmm. for my tastes at least. 
Um, but I do kind of like the idea of them picking up shows where it's like, but why is this getting canceled? Like, this is such a good show. Like, well, and like, I think pick that, this up, yeah, please. Happy Endings was a good example of that because I think it yeah. was only canceled because it just didn't get great ratings. Yeah. And, I mean, really, they canceled it when it was, like, hitting its stride big time. I know. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna start crying. Yeah. I'm like mad. <laughs> I know, and that, and I know that that one was kind of being considered by Hulu um, to be picked up and kind of saved, almost. You know, and that um, show would be served so well on Hulu because, like, they could be just a little bit raunchier than they were allowed to be on the network, yeah. and well, and be a little bit weirder, like, which seems yeah. hard to even imagine because they're already pretty weird, but. Um, I just think that, like, that weird brand of humor would have been served so much better on, on, like, even, like, a Netflix or something. Yeah. Um, where people are just, like, more able to just, like, sit and binge it and Mm -hmm. just... And appreciate it for what it is and, yeah. Yeah. Because it's so funny. (sighs) And I know that they just, they just put all the, all of it on Hulu for the first time. Mm Mm-hmm. Because, like, that's a show that I'm always like, you should watch Happy Endings. And they're like, where can How? I watch it? And I'm like, uh, I don't know. I'll, I'll, but you, I'll give you my DVDs. Like, please, just watch the show. It's so funny. Oh, gosh. Um, so it's on Hulu now. Everybody should watch it because it's hilarious. And I, I, like, weep for it every day. Well, see, that's that a show place. that, like, would be, I think, probably most appropriate for something like this. Yeah, that's probably true. Um... Okay, so we've kind of talked about it, but what sh- what shows, if any, have been well served by by this being rescued? Okay, uh, we talked a little bit about Doctor Who, and that was one of my picks. Because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. really, I mean, it's like not only did they bring it back and then kind of you know boost its its fan base and whatever, but they it's like a it's a much better show and they're able to do it and do it well now because they have the technology to do it well. And, you know, they don't have like motorized trash cans running around and it's just, yeah, yeah I love that show now. Um, and then the other one I had was wet hot American summer, which was oh, a movie, that's... but was brought back as, um, kind of like a one-off TV show. And it was, yeah. it was very good. <laughs> it's, it's pretty funny. That is a good, that's a good one too. Um, yeah, and and I guess that is an example of bringing something back, like, years later. But I think changing up the format, too, like, really helped that. Um, and, I, again, I think it's... I think the weird comedies just do yeah. better. Because they're kind of able to just kind of slip back into that. Mm-hmm. Um, and... And that one is, is also just hilarious because it's supposed to take place before the movie took place, and they're all like, like twenty years, years older, older. <laughs> <laughs> and they were already all playing like sixteen when they were thirty. So it's kind of I know. Funny. Well, if you look at um, Michael Showalter, he's like he's just like a scrawny little beanpole, and then you know, fast forward what like ten, twelve years later, he's. Like, he's got quite a dad bod that he's sporting, <laughs> and it's just, it's really funny, and they're pretending, like, no time has passed. <laughs> yeah. Well, and the thing, and you you mentioned about switching up the format, and I agree, because that movie was kind of hard to, it's a hard movie to, like, sit down and watch all the way through, just because that kind of humor can get grating after a while, like, that mm-hmm. kind of stupid, like, vignette kind of humor. 
So that's why I like it as a show, I think. Yeah. Um, the other thing that I think I, I, I okay, so I'm going to say one that I think has been successful, um, but kind of people are kind of hot and cold about it. Um, I think that the new season of Mini Project has been good. I know a lot of people kind of have problems with it because it, it feels different tonally, but I think that they did that because, because they can, like, because Hulu would let them and like a network wouldn't kind of let them get into that deeper, darker territory on like a poppy, funny, you know, sitcom. Yeah. Um, so I think that that, and I think that that's interesting, you know, when you can move it, you know, to a different channel or a different form, uh, platform to, um, you know, take risks with it that you may, might not have been able to, um, on the network. Uh, I thought that that was done to varying degrees of success, but, um, I did think it was at least an interesting turn for the show. Um, so I've only seen the first like few episodes, so I can't really. Oh yeah, it it gets it gets um it gets kind of intense and heavy a little bit. Um, but I thought that that was an interesting turn, and I think that they were only able to do that because they were now on Hulu, um, which I think probably gives them some more freedom to do things like that. No doubt. Um, so what shows haven't been well served by by this uh, I mean I don't want to like tread old ground just because I'm sure like lots of people have said this over the last year or two since this came out but the new season of Arrested Development I thought was a little underwhelming uh, part of my problem was is that the best part of that show was watching these characters interact with each other and and kind of play off of each other and we just didn't get that in the new season because they yeah. all had different you know schedules and filming obligations and stuff like that so that was lost in translation and then I didn't I don't know it just it felt the whole thing felt weird am I alone there no you're not okay this is what I will say about Arrest Development um so I love that show listen so much. I do too I do yeah. too it's my favorite <laughs> no but- I know um and I know that like, even amongst people that love that show, it's, like, hard. But, and so when I first watched, like, the first half of that fourth season, I was kind of like, oh, no, this isn't good. Like, I, I don't, I'm not enjoying this. But as it kind of, and I totally agree. Like, I, I missed seeing them interact so much. And I understand why they had to do it that way. And, like, I don't think it would have gotten made unless they were able to do it that way. So that's true. that is what it is. Um, but I will say, and this, a lot of the reasons I loved Arrest, the first three seasons of Arrest Development is, like, when I was in college, my roommate and I would go back and just re-watch that show over and over and over again. And it was Funnier every time because you would pick up on jokes and things like that. And I think that the same can be said for that fourth season. I think that as you rewatch that fourth season, there's things... Because there's a lot of hidden gems throughout because, you know, it's each episode is like a different side of the story. And they have a lot of, like, hidden things 
in other people's stories that reference the things that happened in, you know, Job's story, uh, or, you know, or something like that. And I think that it does have kind of that same rewatchability factor, whether or not it's, again, as successful. I, I don't think it is, but, um, I think, yeah, again, it's kind of like it. Yeah. I don't think that that was very successful, but I do think it gets kind of a bad rap because I do think that there are funny things in it. And like, as I kind of got to the latter half of the season, even the first time I watched it, um, I kind of appreciated it more as I was realizing what they were doing kind of with the story and things like that. Um, so, and again, that's something I don't think that, I mean, a network wouldn't have let them do it because they weren't, you know, yeah. they got weirder and weirder as they went, which is why I loved it so much. Um, but, and that was a weird season, <laughs> but, uh, I did think it was kind of interesting. That's, I, that's the most I can guess I can say for it. No, but. and I totally, I totally get where you're coming from. Like, I, I agree that it was, it was funny. It was funny in the same way that all the other seasons were funny. I just, it felt like most like it just felt like they were kind of half committed to it whereas like yeah. when you compare it to the wet hot american summer series like they were like like balls to the wall committed and you could tell that they were like all of them were just like so excited to be there and to be filming that show and they had such a good time and i just i didn't quite get that vibe from arrest development but i'm withholding judgment because i feel like they could probably turn it around and and who knows what's going to happen, so. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's, that, that's a good one, though. Of, that's a good case of, I don't know if they quite got that right. The other one that I will I'm still kind of on the fence on, mm-hmm. um, is the Veronica Mars movie. <gasps> that's what I put, too! <laughs> so, like, because, I mean, I was a Kickstarter funder for that freaking movie. I and because I loved Veronica Mars. Like I still do. I freaking love Veronica Mars. And I, I like I appreciate the movie in a way. Um I and like maybe a lot of my problems with the Veronica Mars movie is that it felt like it was there solely to get Logan and Veronica together and I was never a Logan and Veronica person really? ever. Oh, you were no, you were Veronica and Piz like me. No, I was. Well, I was <gasps> even Piz. I'll tell you who I was. Veronica. I wanted Veronica <sighs> throughout the whole series, even though he was only in like five episodes. I wanted her to get together with Max Greenfield Schmidt from New Girl. <gasps> oh, Leo, his character, Deputy yeah. Leo. Yes, because he was like so <gasps> sweet to her, and like he was a good guy, and. Like, Logan was a freaking mess, and she left cute, sweet, responsible Leo for Logan, which... I know. Ugh. And so, I think a lot of my problems kind of stem from the movie getting them together in a way, and I'm like, no, Veronica, you do not need to be with him. Um, I have the same qualms as you. Yeah. Um, But I think I... A lot of people seem to kind of have problems with the case of it all and I actually liked that aspect of it um so again there's things I liked about it but I guess like the question that I always have with these things is it's like is it better to have a show 
where you're like, oh, that was such a good show, and it went way before it should have. Like, it was so good, and it got canceled, and nobody appreciated it. Is it better to have that, or is it better to kind of have this show that was so great, and then there's this thing that comes along that they do for it, and it's like, is that better? Did that help? Did that add anything to my enjoyment of that show, really? Right. And, like, once it's out there, you can't separate the old, like, what it was with what it is now. That was the problem that I had with Veronica Mars' movie. Was that, like, now it's part of, you know, the whole, like, universe. And I can't, like, you can't take it back. I, I had a couple problems with it, actually. I, my whole issue was that I, A, I thought... Like, why would they have this character who is so independent and cool and smart and they made her just totally self-destructive? And you're right. You could tell that there was, like, a very linear linear progression between, like, her being with Piz and then, like, everything that happened directed her towards Logan. And I was like, no! But yeah, it just, I don't know. It felt... I can't even verbalize how I'm feeling about it. Because I'm like you. Like, I... I could see I could see what they were trying to do and what they were trying to give the fans. I just don't think that it, you know, it worked. Yeah. I and and that's the thing is I don't cuz I don't know that I'm completely ready to say like no, don't do these anymore. Don't bring back shows. Stop reuniting, you know, shows so that we can have a movie or a limited series or you know, I'm not I'm not ready to say that, but I am like I am definitely more wary of it now than I was when, you know, they announced that they were doing the Veronica Mars movie. Because now you have to look at, like, the statistics. Like, generally, this isn't a thing that is working for TV, and it's it's not really doing the shows any favors. So maybe, you know, from that point of view, can we really, every time we get excited about something like this, you have to remember, like, oh statistics are not on our side yeah yeah I guess so now I'm definitely kind of looking at these with a much more skeptical eye when they're announced um that being said though if this were to happen to a show what show would you want them to bring back in some you can even go so far as to say like in what format you want it to come back Okay. I, I had like a huge list, so I'm going to try and taper it a little bit. <laughs> I know. We just got done saying how we're like, eh, just don't do it anymore. And now we're going to present our fan, <laughs> our fangirly list of shows that like need yeah. to be remade right now. So the first one that I listed was kind of like, it was kind of a pipe dream, but I put Fringe that we've mentioned several times already, but I feel like they set it up in the last season so you could see like, oh, here's like, you know, so many years into the future, they have a daughter, they have this and that and that, and they're married, and, and we know that, that fringe events are still happening, and and so I could see them taking that somewhere. Like, maybe their daughter could kind of take over as, like, the lead investigator, and, you know, they could bring in, like, a wacky... I don't know. I could see it. I could see it happening. Maybe I'm the only one. Here's one that Here's one that I'm going to throw out there, and this one gets thrown out there a lot. Um, as an option for this, but again, I'm throwing this out there with like, I want them to, but I also get a little nervous about it. Um, but Firefly, mm-hmm. uh, like they, they kind of 
See, like, but, and, like, here's the thing with that show, is they had the show, and then they got the movie, and the thing is, is the movie's really good, <laughs> and... The movie's really very good. Um, but the other thing with the movie is that it did kind of give it a nice capper to the show, like, first of all, it killed off a couple people, um, which was sad. But there was a lot of closure in that movie. And yeah. so do you really want to bring it back and kind of like reopen all those old wounds? I don't know. <laughs> and that's the thing, like in some ways I do because I love the show so much that like yeah. to have just like a Netflix six episode series of that would be like really exciting idea to me. But then again, maybe like in reality, I'd be like, everybody's so old. <laughs> It's just I not know. the same anymore. Um, so that's what I will throw out there with some trepidation, I guess. I think you'd want it until you had it, and then yeah. you'd regret it. I, that's the, I think that's the case with a lot of these, actually. Oh, yeah, for sure. Everything on my list is like, it's not something I really want to happen, but it's just, <laughs> you know. Okay, so what else do you have? Okay, I put down uh, Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Okay, and here's why. So Joss Whedon, he wrote his, um, his, like, his comic series that was ostensibly like a season eight. Mm -hmm. And so the source material is there. Like, they could totally turn that into a show, except for the fact that the entire cast is now, like, 30s, you know, 10-odd years older. <laughs> so I don't really know how that would work now. Isn't What's-His-Face in jail now? Oh, yeah, Xander's in jail. <laughs> Yeah, that's hard to ride around. <laughs> <laughs> his his shots are very narrow between bars. Um, they can make it work. <laughs> yeah, that's that's what pretty much any Joss Whedon show. Like it's like okay, that could be kind of interesting, I guess. Yeah. Um. So we already talked about happy endings, which was one that I had. Which please just Me bring too. that show back because a that show's hilarious and did not get the attention from at least viewers that it deserved i think critics all seem Not to even a little bit like love it but the other thing that i so i'm like why i really want that show to come back is none of those actors are being used to the abilities that i know that they have i know i mean casey wilson to some degree i think has gone on to do other things but like all of them are kind of like Mm, smallish parts or like they get shows that don't do well or just things yeah. like that um so I just I really want to see all those people back together in that show <laughs> like please I just love that show so much and you know that one's not so far removed that we can't have that one back but I agree I would also settle for a Sinbrad spinoff <laughs> For those of you who didn't watch the show, uh, Sinbrad was Brad, Damon Wayne's Jr.'s character's uh, ventriloquist dummy. <laughs> he named him Sinbrad. So, yeah, I could... I know. I'm like, flexible on the happy endings thing. Yeah, I just love that show so much, and I think it needs to come back. Okay, what else did you have? Um, we kind of talked about Gilmore Girls. Uh, that's kind of a moot point, because it's already happening, whether we want it yeah. to or not. Um, and believe me, we do. We really want it to. Because that was a show, I don't know if you under, like you were aware of like the circumstances behind the last season of that show, but uh, the, the original head writer left, and so 
the, like the tail end of that show just didn't feel like the Gilmore Girls. And so mm-hmm. that was one of the problems that the fans had. So they brought back Amy Sherman Palladino and they're going to do it right this time, hopefully. So that's going to be cool. Uh, my last one that I put was uh, Pushing Daisies. That's the other. That's my last one too, Whitney. Right? First of all, just to have a vehicle for Lee Pace where I get to see him, like other than that show on AMC that he's on. Um, cause whenever I'm like, oh, I love Lee Pace so much. Everybody's like, oh, really? Isn't he that elf guy from Hobbit? I'm like, listen, if you saw him as Ned the Pie Maker, then you would also be in love with him because he is adorable on that show. Ned the Pie Maker is my soulmate. (laughs) Yeah, that show, that's one that got canceled way too early and is just so unlike anything else that's out there that I agree that it should come back in some form or another. Well, not even just in terms of, like, concept. Like, stylistically, it was so weird. But, I mean, that was part of what made it what it was, and it was so good. And I wish that more people knew what they were missing. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. It's, It's so... It was so cute and funny and quirky and weird and... Yeah, just, it was so good, and it's another one that just got taken from us too soon. <laughs> I'm like, like, this is making me, like, very, like, verklept. Like, yeah. I will say the other one, so we mentioned this earlier, but Mystery Science Theater is coming back, and um, that show holds a very special place in my heart. I was basically raised on that show, um, and I that's another one that I'm, like, with trepidation excited about mm-hmm. um i think it'll be interesting uh they have like a new cast which i think you kind of have to do with that show um what do you what do you mean a new cast i mean is it gonna be like mike no like mike Nelson mike and... and joel are not there um <gasps> it's uh the guy do you ever listen to the nerdist podcast yes it's jonah ray is the new mike slash joel and then mm. the bots are being voiced by different people. Um, Felicia Day is the mad. And uh, okay. Patton Oswalt is son of TV's Frank. <laughs> the son of TV's Frank? TV's Frank got laid at some yeah. point? Okay. Yes. All so right. cool. it'll be interesting. So that's like why. So it's like new people, which is why I have trepidation. But that's also like a format that I think you know, the premise of the show was not what was funny about it, I guess. It's the movies, so... Yeah. Um, I think just to have that back will be kind of fun. Are they still gonna do, like, old 60s horror movies, or what's their game plan? I think so. I don't know. Like, 70s... I mean, like, they kind of got into the 80s a little bit, too, um, in the later season, so probably mm-hmm. into that as well. Okay. You know, if we're right. if you can bring more horrible horror movies to my life, then that's fine, right? I mean, I know you're a fan of that. Yeah, no, I have like zero objections. I just like like you. I'm worried about them bringing in new people. Tom Servo is always gonna have you know a certain panache that I don't know that another bot could replicate. But okay, whatever, like it's fine. Yeah. So I guess our conclusion with this TV revivals thing is meh. <laughs> <laughs> Just, in conclusion, which 
is a really great firm stance to take. (laughs) Yeah, I guess just like I said, like, my overall thing is just like, I'm not ready to say I want it to stop happening, but I am definitely more reserved about it than like I was when they first started doing it. Yeah, I feel we've just been burned too many times, I think. Yeah. And I don't, yeah. And I don't know that it's, I don't know what exactly the formula needs to be to make it work. Because I think that, like, the people are excited to make the shows again. And they are excited to do that again. But I think that there's just some of the magic is lost. I don't know. And I don't know if it's with them or with us as viewers or, I don't know. Well, and I think there's a lot to be said for kind of like preserving something as it is and and not trying to, I don't know, like with Veronica Mars, like, yeah, it ended and it was brutal and it kind of ruined eighth grade for me and whatever. But, <laughs> but I mean, I still, I, I still get to go back and watch that show and have those memories. So I don't necessarily want to tarnish that for myself. So, so there's our ambivalent response to revitalization of TV. <laughs> Uh, if you have thoughts or shows that you would like to see uh, get revitalized, then um, let us know in the comments for this post, or um, you can email us at fangirlyfangirls at gmail.com. Um, Whitney, do you want to take us into the next segment that we have? Would love to. Okay, so I'm sure as everybody knows, Oscar nominations were announced. And every year, Ellen and I do a little fangirly Oscar pool. And this year is going to be no different. We're going to go through and pick our uh, our picks for some of the like the main categories. But this year, we're going to have stakes attached <laughs> to our, our Oscar pool this year. Ellen, do you want to announce what those stakes are going to be? Sure. I should say that um, this is stakes that I actually stole from a friend of mine. So if she listens to this and she's like, hey, Ellen, that was my idea. Sorry, Allison, but this I'm, I'm stealing it. So the stakes for this um, Oscar pool is that the um, winner will get to find a um, poorly written piece of fan fiction and then the loser has to do a dramatic reading um, of an excerpt of that uh, bad fan fiction as chosen by the winner. So, listen, this is probably the first year where I wouldn't mind like losing because everybody's everybody's a winner here. Because <laughs> when you when you told me your plan for our um, our stakes, I thought like. Yeah, I would love to do that. (laughs) (laughs) See, and I'm kind of like, oh, I kind of hope I don't win because then I have to, like, do the research and find a really bad piece of fan fiction. Yeah, I know. Well, let's be realistic. You've won every other year. (laughs) That's true. Well, I know. So that means I'm probably going to have to pick the fan fiction. (laughs) I know. (laughs) Okay, so do we want to go through, do we want to go through these categories and say our picks? Let's do um, would you like to start with best screenplay? Okay, so adapted or original? I did both, but we can pick one or the other. Okay, so we sh- should we say the nominees that we had to pick from? I have them. I have them here. It's fine. Okay, yeah, go ahead. Okay, yeah. So let's do original screenplay first. 
So writing for original screenplay, we have Bridge of Spies, Ex Machina, Inside Out, Spotlight, and Straight Out of Compton. So Whitney, what did you pick? Uh, I feel like this is not going to win, but I did pick Ex Machina. Okay. I picked Spotlight. Um, I Again, I went with things that I think are going to win, not what I necessarily think should win. Although, Spotlight is very good. Um, it's a very good movie. So, okay. writing for adapted screenplay, we have The Big Short, Brooklyn, Carol, The Martian, and Room. Whitney, what did you pick? <sighs> okay, I had two picks, so why don't you go ahead and then I'll just pick whatever you didn't pick. Okay, I picked The Big Short. Oh, okay, well, I picked uh, Brooklyn. Okay. Which is, I thought, what you were going to pick, but okay, it's fine. Again, I would, I, I preferred Brooklyn as a movie, but I think Big Short will win. I see where you're coming from, and I kind of agree, but I'm like, I'm playing from the heart, Ellen. <laughs> so, whatever. Which is why you always lose, but, you know. <laughs> I know, I know. <laughs> okay. Um, best director. We have Tom McCarthy for Spotlight, Adam McKay for The Big Short, George Miller for Mad Max, Alejandro Gonzalez Iñárritu for The Revenant, and Lenny Abramson for Room. So what did you pick, Whitney? I did go with Room. Okay. It just, again, that was my gut talking. You're wrong. Um, I think it actually, this might be the category that Mad Max is able to get. Um, I think George... You think George Miller's going to get it? I think George Miller. And he's actually looking to be at least the favorite for now. This is an interesting year because um, there's not a lot of, like, clear-cut winners in a lot of these categories. Um like there sometimes is. Um, okay, should we do actress in a supporting role? There's Jennifer Jason Lee for The Hateful Eight, Rooney Mara for Carol, Rachel McAdams for Spotlight, Alicia Vikander for The Danish Girl, and Kate Linslet for Steve Jobs. So, what did you go with? This is what I actually feel kind of confident about. I went with Alicia Vikander for The Danish that Girl. Is what I went with as well, Whitney. <laughs> so okay, I feel good. We'll see. Um, okay, actor in a supporting role. By the way, did you know that Alicia Vikander and Michael Fassbender are dating? I did know that. That is like the most beautiful couple in the world. I know. I can't wait to see what their progeny looks like. <laughs> okay, sorry. I got distracted. Actor in a supporting role. You have Christian Bale for The Big Short, Tom Hardy for The Revenant, Mark Ruffalo for Spotlight. Mark Rylance for Bridge of Spies and Sylvester Stallone for Creed. I think this is probably another one where we went the same way. You think? Which did what did you say? I didn't say Sylvester Stallone for oh, Creed. Okay. Okay, what did you say? I did say Mark Ruffalo for Spotlight. That's also a very good choice. I, I did say Sylvester Stallone for Creed. Were you saying that because he won the Golden Globe? Um, okay, so it does kind of seem to be like it's e probably either well. Tom Hardy's kind of a, a dark horse, too. But Mark Ruffalo, yeah. Tom Hardy, and Sylvester Stallone kind of seem to be the ones in contention the most. Um, yeah. So we'll see. But I, I did go with Sylvester Stallone. I hope he gets it. I mean, that's, that's like the pick that my heart is singing out, but yeah, I just, I don't know. We'll see. Okay, actress in a leading role. Um, Kate Blanchett for Carol. Brie Larson for Room, Jennifer Lawrence for Joy, Charlotte Rampling for 45 Years, and Shersha Ronan for Brooklyn. What did you pick? I went with Brie Larson. 
for room. Me too. She's kind of the favorite. She's probably going to get it, which I think she deserves. And I love that movie. And I think she's cool. So I'm. Listen, I thought she should have won for Scott Pilgrim versus the world. Yeah. That didn't happen. Ditto. (laughs) Okay. Actor in a leading role. Brian Cranston for Trumbo. Matt Damon for The Martian. Leonardo DiCaprio for The Revenant. Michael Fassbender for Steve Jobs. And Eddie Redmayne for The Danish Girl. What'd you pick? I did pick Leonardo DiCaprio. Me as well. It's time. <laughs> it's you know? his, I think, and I think this will be when he gets it. Um, some people are saying, like, Michael Fassbender could maybe sneak in there, or Eddie Redmayne. But I think, I think Leonardo will get it. Um, and that movie was, I just saw that movie last, this week? Last week? How was it? Um, it's, it's pretty intense, but it's, it's good. Um, very pretty. It'll probably win for cinematography as well. Um, it's, it's, it was a good movie. Okay, and that brings us to our final category, Best Picture. The nominees are The Big Short, Bridge of Spies, Brooklyn, Mad Max Fury Road, The Martian, The Revenant, Room, and Spotlight. Whitney, what'd you pick? Again, I could see every one of these one of these movies winning so i don't know i went the big short i guess that's i mean yeah it's it's an interesting year this year because yeah a lot i mean almost all of those are getting thrown around as being like contenders to win um i went with kind of what was the early odds on favorite and that's still kind of looking like it'll probably win. I went with Spotlight, because um, the thing you have to remember about the Oscars, which this is, you know, the problem that they've been running into this year, is that it is old white men voting, usually, in this category. Right. And I think Spotlight is going to speak to them the most. Um, and it is a very good movie. Uh, but So I kind of went, I went with Spotlight. That was a good pick. I just, I just, I really honestly flipped a coin. Yeah, I would love I to see Mad Max get it, but I don't think it would. Um, but yeah, it'll be interesting. Okay, so um, we will look forward to hearing Whitney read some fan fiction because she is going to lose. <laughs> it's not a surprise this year, Ellen. <laughs> it happens every single year. Okay. I guess that will be it for this episode of the Fangirly Show. As always, thanks so much for listening. Uh, let us know your thoughts on what we talked about in the comments on the um, on fangirly.com or you can email us at fangirlyfangirls at gmail.com. Someday I'm going to be able it. to do this so much faster. Uh, <laughs> but thanks so much for listening. Bye, Whitney. Bye, Ellen. It's the Fangirly Show.